I believe that sales is, when done properly, is one of the most noble professions. When you operate with a good salesperson, you will feel cared for, loved, listened to, heard, valued. And this is why good sales training needs to be out there for everybody. Learning how to sell is an experience that helps you to be the master of your own destiny. For 19 years, Tasha Saran-Smith has been shaping her own destiny through success in sales. She learned the fundamentals during her years as a Cutco rep and manager, refined her skills throughout her corporate career, and now teaches high-level sales skills to thousands of clients through her own sales training business. In this conversation, Tasha shares her story and describes some specific insights that have helped her and others to succeed. This episode is guest hosted by Jay Brad Britton, whose connection with Tasha goes back to Tasha's early days with the Cutco Vector team in Southern California. I hope you enjoy this engaging and informational episode of the podcast. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining our podcast today, Changing Lives, Selling Knives. Uh, my name is Jay Brad Britton, and I am going to be the guest host today. Huge fan of the podcast and a huge fan of our guest that we have today. Uh, today, we are joined by Tasha Saran-Smith. And Tasha was a Cutco rep from about 2000, Cutco rep and manager from about year 2000 to 2005. She now uh, is the CEO and co-founder or founder of a, a sales and leadership training company called Emerge Sales Training. And she's uh, been known as a performance coach, a business coach, uh, sales and leadership uh, trainer, and has worked with uh, thousands. I think we're up to around 8,000 uh, people that she's trained now. We'll hear a lot more about that. Uh, so hello, Tasha. How are you? I am awesome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a treat for me because it, it has been a long time since we've connected straight up with social media. You know, I follow you on social media. I see you on different things doing this and that. But this is exciting for me. And it has probably been since we've had a live conversation, what, 15 years or it's been a long time. Yeah. I think the last conversation we had was what's a Rolo? <laughs> oh, Rolo. Oh, oh well, we did have that just recently. That's right. Yeah. That, uh, that's funny. But yeah, um, it's been a long time. Yeah. Probably since about 2005 ish, uh, besides the conversation we had recently when you had an order. 
uh, that you turned in just a couple of weeks ago. Homemaker, yeah. I know, on the newsletter. That was beautiful. Uh, was I on the newsletter? I believe you were on the newsletter. It was pretty amazing. I should send you a copy so you'll... With the happy face, please, sir. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, you got I me. thought I was going to have to put in another order and I wasn't going to get my newsletter in the mail with the happy all face. Right. All right, I got to make a note. I'll make a note. Okay, so tell us about your, your early days of Cutco. How did you get started? Uh, how did you hear about the job? Tell us about your first, uh, your first experiences. Uh, I started selling Cutco between my junior and senior year of college. I went to UC San Diego, so I was home for the summer in Anaheim. And I'd worked at Blockbuster Video. <laughs> All right. I don't know if half of the listeners even know what that is. I worked at Blockbuster Video, and then I did an internship in Washington, D.C. So I had to leave that. So I came home for the summer uh, jobless. I got a flyer. I thought this base pay sounded like twice as much, more than twice as what I was getting paid at Blockbuster. Mm -hmm. So I showed up, and I was super excited because it was knives. And I think some people show up and they're like, huh, that's weird. And I was stoked because my roommate the previous year, uh, she was a rep, Jen McClain. That up in Sacramento, mm-hmm. we actually had Cutco in our apartment the whole previous year. So when I saw what it was, I thought it was amazing. Uh, my manager uh, was Joanne Perrine, and she is one of the most awesome women I have ever known in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, just done and so excited. Got the sample kit on the second day, ready mm-hmm. to rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, that's when I started. That's great. I love it. You know, Jen McLean, when uh, we were talking and you sent me over some, uh, some notes to preliminary answers to these questions, I saw Jen McLean's name. She was in my office. That's right. Sacramento. I was her, I was her manager. And I, re- I do now remember, I had forgotten that, uh, you know, there, there was that connection right there. And uh, that is pretty awesome. She is, a she's awesome. I don't know if you're in touch with her, but uh, if you are after we will talk about, it. I'd love to reconnect with her. All right. And so tell us how you started. You got started. Uh, you, did you have support from home or did your parents think you were weird for being a, wanting to sell knives <laughs> like most of us? Um, I've always, my parents have always thought I was a little weird. I'm probably one of the few Indian reps mm. that, okay. that, that you all have, have worked with. And, um, but it was a summer job. So my parents were just like, whatever. I was a hard worker. I was a former college athlete. So I set up 10 appointments my first weekend per the assignment. Mm-hmm. I went to my first appointment with my mom and she bought nothing. <laughs> okay. So I don't know how supportive <laughs> she, uh, I did make nine tiny, tiny sales. I was not naturally talented at the sales game, which as we continue this conversation, I actually think has served as a major benefit to me in my career, not necessarily having that get out of the gate, fast start mentality. So I I sold a thousand bucks my first weekend, mm-hmm. uh, ended up with about 3000 in my fast start. So I got the prizes I wanted and I was pretty, pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My dad thought it was just, it was just a summer job. Not a big, I mean, I was coming from blockbuster video. So my arc at this point was blockbuster video department of justice and then Cutco. Okay. I was studying for the LSAT at the time and it was all good. I do remember this one. <laughs> time maybe it was a few weeks maybe a month in and i brought home do you remember the closing bible you oh, still of course have of course yeah um i don't let people see it very often but uh, every once in a while it comes out you still have it so i mean it had been copied and copied and copied a hundred million times Compl- completely redone i have a beautiful copy of a beautiful digital copy. Uh, i'd love one all right and so 
I brought that home and I asked my mom if she'd practice with me. <laughs> she just laughed and said, I hate salespeople and just walked away. Nice. Okay. So that's, uh, that, that demonstrates a level of support there just a little bit. Let me make sure I understand something for the, for the listeners. You had nine sales out of 10 in your first mm-hmm. weekend for $1,007. Was that what it, that's, that's what right. That's right. Here. So for those that don't understand, that is a, that is a very small average order size. Correct. Much smaller than uh, what we would normally see, but you ended up at 3000 for your fast start. So that shows you probably were working hard. I, I was working hard. I did the things that you guys told me to do. I mm-hmm. uh, know the follow the manual, all of that, all of that jazz. I do have 150,000 in personal sales. So now, this story yes. does, yes, does change a little bit as we go on. Yes. All right. Well, very I good. I just thought that was important to share because mm-hmm. for people listening to this podcast, they want to be encouraged and inspired. And there are so many people on this podcast that come out with like, I mean, I have the honor of coaching a regional Western region record breaker, 18 grand and and fast start back then. I'm sure it's triple that by now, but, and I know that like that happens. That's a lot of stories for the people that come back and talk, but you know, that's not every single person's story. And I just thought that was important to share because if you're listening to this and you're, you're not a fast start record breaker, you can still be a like super, super successful in the sales and leadership game and possibly it serve as an advantage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think that's a good, good point to clarify. Just for some contrast, uh, your story and my story, I went and did my first demo to my mom. She did buy. And then I proceeded to have 19 in a row that didn't buy. So <laughs> I, didn't, I did not have a fast start. Now I didn't follow the manual. I did work hard, but I didn't really follow the manual. I didn't do the things that I was I love supposed that. to be doing. And so, uh, you know, anybody can make it, you know, it's not how you start. It's how you finish, you know, they say a lot of times, although the start is part of the race. So of course you can start well, it's good. So tell us about some early experiences, uh, some lessons maybe that you learned from any early experiences, uh, on the job. Well, I just have a couple of stories that really stand out to me from my first summer as a rep. The biggest one I think was when I field trained this guy named Chris G and I can't find him anywhere because I think he really changed the trajectory of my life. Hmm. Um, I took him field training and he was oh for 20 something, like one of those hmm. classic stories. And Joanne asked me to take him field training. And I went, I took him field training as a last ditch effort and I got n- a no sale and five referrals. So I thought, well, great. What's going to happen? Um, Chris ended up being the speaker at the next next week's team meeting uh, that that field training was on a Wednesday and he was the speaker the next week because between that and the next meeting he sold thirty two hundred dollars wow off okay. on 13 demos and he actually stood up and he's the stereotypical computer science major from Cal State Fullerton and he stood up and gave this speech about how field training changed his life wow and he, and you had a no sale and it was a no, it was a no sale, and I was maybe three or four weeks old in the business, mm. and I was blown away because I always knew that I had this calling on my life to be an encourager to others, uh, kind of like fight for the underdog. And when I saw it happening, it just totally blew my mind. Wow! Just how much someone learning how to sell could change their confidence. Mm. And so he, the way he stood, the way he spoke, it was a completely different human the fall that next week. Uh, that was one experience that 
I actually cite as a major turning point in my entire life. Yeah, that's great. Let me, here's what happened with him, by the way. I don't, I don't remember him or know him necessarily, but he saw somebody follow the manual, right? You don't go out and do over 20 something if you're doing anything close to what the manual says. He just wasn't doing it the way he was taught because he, he didn't, whatever reason, he didn't have the faith in it. But here you are, you've sold something, even though you didn't sell in on that, that appointment. He saw you follow the manual uh, and the customer, you know, probably didn't, didn't look at you weird like you were, you mm-hmm. know, you're doing something stupid or whatever. And he saw it happen and then realized, well, I could probably do that. And then he went and started doing what the manual said and he started getting orders. That's, that's what happened. But then yep. his confidence from his sales is what changed his life, right? Yep. That, that's what happened. It changed his ability to just his belief in himself. And in the program, et cetera. So anyway, great work. Great work. Well, Thank let's, you. let's make it a, a goal, a mission to find Chris G. Uh, Chris. So G-E-E is his last name, right? Yeah, that's if right. If anybody's out there knows Chris G, tell him that Tasha would <laughs> want to talk to him. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, uh, what I think else? Another experience was getting my senior advisor promotion. I have a pretty good memory, so this is mm-hmm. good podcast. And I got it, and Jimmy Hunt was there. And mm, he okay. was the first one who handed me the thing. And if you know Jimmy just like the epitome of positivity and the way he was genuinely excited mm-hmm. for me. And so all of these two events, I think probably happened in the span of two weeks together. Okay. <laughs> so you know what happened next? I threw away my LSAT book. Okay. And I said, okay, between these two experiences, I think I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. This went over really well. I would like mm. to devote my life to sales training. Wow. Wow. Maybe um, and senior year of college. That's what we've been doing. Uh, so that was a pretty, pretty big experience. There's one when the lady yelled at me and said I was being deceitful when I call, I called off a referral, said I was, said something horrible. I was deceiving the entire Christian community. I cried. I called Joanne. She talked me off the cliff mm-hmm. and she, now I know what the technique is, but you know, she just asks, is that true? And I was like, well, no, of course I didn't do that. And she said, okay, well, then it's okay. Let's carry on. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember that just being so encouraging. And, um, you know, to this day, when I am melting down, mm-hmm. um, as entrepreneurs tend to do every Tuesday and Thursday, <laughs> I reach out to my business coach and do the meltdown and let her kind of work me through that. And so... I think what I really learned that first summer was how critical it was to stay close to your leadership and let them know what's going on because it's their job to help you to be successful. And I think all of those experiences kind of kind of speak to that. Mm-hmm. That's great. So you're a coach, a business coach, but you have a coach. I have two. Two coaches. Okay. And I've hired that's, a boss. Yep. That's relevant. Okay. That's really relevant. So lean on your, uh, lean on your coaches. Yeah. I love that. And uh, more reps could take. Uh, could take that advice. More people in life could take that advice for sure. All right. Well, very good. Any other things? Uh, I know that you, as a manager, you you had had some, maybe you had some experiences there. Yeah. Yeah. So I was supposed to be the best branch manager. At least that's what I was told by the person promoting me to branch manager. (laughs) All right. (laughs) No, but I, I mean, I think there were like, I had high expectations for my branch office. And so I took those high expectations and sucked royally. My first month. I don't know if you remember this. I launched first week of May at the earliest breaking office and our May sales were zero, literally zero. For the I entire month of May? In the month of May, zero in Cerritos. Yeah. What? My summer. 
So we, I had 20 people on training day one. I launched one person who turned in one order that didn't, didn't go through. <laughs> All right. That is, uh, a, that is, that is an auspicious beginning to your man. Uh, we, I launched zero, which took all the pressure off of me <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Previous year, I was in the North San Diego office. So there are three of us launching out of there. Ariane, uh, Tom Blembot, oh, no, four, four of us and Nick. And I, you know, it was a little bit of, say, how do I say this to my friends respectfully? Uh, you know, they're 20 year old boys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there was like a lot of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was me. Bravado. Sure. Well earned, by the way, they were all very, mm-hmm. very talented. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was definitely the underdog out of the four of us. And so I had had that horrible, horrible May. But as we learned, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So we picked up some steam in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, pressure was off. No one was paying attention. Again, did everything that I was supposed to do. I listened to uh, the Mark Lovis CD, a power of promotion, mm-hmm. which I still actually listen to mm-hmm. every once in a while. Uh, every day on the way to the office and on the way back in SC2. A week before SC2, my boyfriend that I was supposed to marry broke up with me. That was awesome. So it was really shaping up to be an amazing branch summer. Yeah. And the first week we we did 25 grand, we were like, okay, that's good. But we turned up the heat, turned up the promotion. And I will never forget the look on Tom's face when I never sat down at that SCT push. This is Tom, Tom Lambot. Tom Lambot, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Um, we stood up there and he knew he had me lick the first week, but he did not know what happened the second week. We actually doubled the sales of the previous week. Nice. And so everyone went down and Tom was there and he was just cool and calm. And then we hit... I mean, these are 2001 numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So it hit 50,000. Okay, fine. 55, 60. And then he started, I'll never forget the look on his face. He looked over. He's like, why are you still standing? Like, it's time for you to go now. I love it. He ended up doing, I think, 75, 76. I mean, we beat him by maybe 10 grand. Yeah. Those are still respectable numbers for, especially for branches these days. So that's great. And so that was pretty awesome. And we did end up winning the Dragon Masters Dagger in three and a half months. Yeah, very nice. The Dragon Master. And you mentioned before we started recording, you, That's right here. Have, you had the dagger on your desk for inspiration. Super geeky. That was an award there. I love it. All right. That is, uh, that is really terrific. So you were a rep, you went into the management, and then uh, you, you kind of you, you went back into being a rep after a little bit of time, right? Just for a little bit. So I, I ran my branch. I ran a district. I ran the division office for a while. Mm-hmm. And then just decided to go back as a rep, have a just change it up a little bit, uh, and that's when I went into my corporate career. Okay, all right. So my average about- order was much better second time. Yes, around. yes, <laughs> got better than the whatever less than a hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah, or about a yeah, about right about that. All right, very good. I don't know if there's anything, uh, any experiences at UCSD, good school down in San Diego, anything from that uh, your experiences there that uh, our listeners might be interested in or have relevance? Sure. So I started selling during my, in between my junior and my senior year of college, my friend Carrie sold all four years. She wanted all Americans and such. Uh, So we had a little bit of a different experience. So my only experience in college was being an assistant manager for West Goddard, Mm -hmm. which is no small task. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll leave that alone. Selling enough to start up. Uh, and taking 20 units at one of the top 50 universities in the country. So it was pretty rough. I think what was really awesome about that was how good I got at time management and 
time blocking and planning. I was chatting with a potential client the other day who is in college doing, you know, trying to do network marketing. He and he's like, How'd you do it? And I ran him through my schedule and he's just like, Oh my gosh, how on earth were you so productive? I graduated with honors. It didn't work my GPA. Mm-hmm. I graduated with 3.8 um, from UC San Diego in political science while doing all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think what was so awesome about my senior year and being able to accomplish all that is it really showed me how much I was capable of at such a young young age to be able to balance all of those things, um, which is great because now that's what I teach people is how to balance all of these things in their businesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought that was really, really cool. I also kind of got hooked on neuroscience and political theory and the art of persuasion that year. And so some of the things that I learned, so I have these pencils, maybe I'll get you some. They say, bite me. (laughs) And here's why. So here's a little neuroscience hack that you'll probably start using in your office. If you bite your pencil, I mean, I know this is audio, but basically stick a pencil in your mouth the way a dog eats a bone all the way back. It triggers a neurotransmitter that inactivates any fear receptors in your brain. You are physiologically incapable of being fearful. Really? Yeah. This, this is something, why would I not, why would I never have heard this? I don't know. This is very interesting. Uh, well, I, let me tell you what I love about what you just shared. I love the fact that you, by choice, put pressure on yourself by taking those 20 units to graduate early so you could get your branch office and did all the things, all the things that you did by choice. I, there's a saying where it came from, I don't know, something along the lines of adversity undergone by choice is a virtue or something along those lines. And uh, so that's what you did. And, and, you know, we teach all the time, look, pack as much stuff as you can in life uh, now. And then later, you'll make life easier down the road, you know, if you, right. if you put the pressure on yourself now. And since it's self-induced, so to speak, pressure that you, but you take on by choice, it's, it's not the kind of pressure that causes massive stress. Sure. Okay? Because it's because it's something that you're choosing to do, not somebody else uh, it doesn't shouldn't cause massive stress. So somebody else doing it. So that's really terrific. I love that. And I love the I love the knowing about the pencil. I don't deal with a lot of fear usually, but I'm gonna carry a pencil around just in case. You might have a sales rep or two who might experience it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna play around with that for sure. It's a good trick. So you have transitioned now into uh, going beyond what you did in Vector and you you mm-hmm. worked you said you had a corporate job or worked in the corporate world for like ten years or something before you started your own company. So tell us about that transition. So I worked as an enrollment manager at University of Phoenix. And so I did a lot of new hire training management. We actually started the, my friend and I is now my business partner. Uh, we started the alumni department that worked on bachelor's to master's enrollment. So uh, that's what I did for 11 years. And then I started to get a little itchy. So I put up a podcast. I thought, well, I have no marketable skills. The only thing I've ever been able to do is teach people how to sell. Mm -hmm. So I put up a little podcast and I thought I was going to teach entrepreneurs like accountants or IT people that want to start their own business how to sell because teaching college students or cucker reps, right? Not the typical like, hey, I'm going to go and be a professional salesperson or college counselors, right? All of that. So that's what I thought I was going to do. And I got invited to a network marketers party, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, you're in sales. I'll come to your party if you listen to my podcast. And she said, okay. 
And then I got a text later that day. I think I might want to hire you. And I was still working full time. And I went to her thing. I was like, this is way too hard. We fixed it. And she went from making $50 a month for two years straight to making $450 the next month. Hmm. So then her leader hired me, Mm -hmm. uh, which of course is a great time to quit your corporate sales manager job at which you're capped out. So Charlie and I had a conversation about taking a leap of faith and got out of the boat, so to speak, and took a leap of faith and quit my corporate job when I had $400 a month in revenue. And uh, the results were so phenomenal that uh, the word of mouth spread very, very quickly. And that first year we did about 80 grand in in sales, which is pretty solid. And And the next year... You're selling your training. I'm selling my training and one-on-one coaching. And the next year we did 1.4 million. Wow. That is, uh, that is something else. So I don't know if this is something you could speak to specifically, but you said you fixed it. You said whatever she was doing was too hard and you fixed it. Is there in, in simple terms, can you, did you just simplify things or what is it that you did to quote fix it? Yeah. Most, most people in sales do what we will call word vomiting. Mm-hmm. And so the crux of what I teach right now is we call it the five keys to closing. The first one is to set up an appointment. The other four are in the appointment. And this is basically what we implemented. Uh, the first is to give an agenda so that everyone knows what is what to expect. Okay. And they agree to buy that day if they're going to buy that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is to gain input. Most people will just tell them all the reasons their product is so amazing. But if you're working in the health and wellness industry, you have to stop and ask, what are your health goals and what else and what else and your husband and your kids Mm -hmm. and how will that impact your overall quality of life? And what do you already know about this product or how Mm -hmm. it can work? Uh, So we implemented that. We simplified everything. So it was more personalized. So earlier you mentioned this health goal. This is the thing that's going to help with that. Mm -hmm. They know the head like the way you are now. You can move on. And the biggest thing, which you'll just laugh at, because I mean, this is definitely a Cutco one, is the choice of two is scientifically proven. And what she was doing is like, here's everything ever. What do you want? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we implemented that and her closing percentage shot from like 10% up to 80, 90% as an introvert who's a former coder. Wow. Okay. And wow. so she was able to get amazing results. And so that's what we implemented in her sales process that led to really, really good results instead of just information dumping all over. Mm -hmm. I love it. All over everyone. I don't even know how to respond to that. I think that's amazing. And I love how you simplified it and you took some Cretco principles and a few things that are maybe some things that you got from the, uh, when you worked at university of Phoenix in that, in that role as well. But, uh, and you're having significant impact on helping people with their lives. Yeah, hope that's okay. Which I love. That's that's <laughs> great. That's okay with you. Are we good? <laughs> that's I love it. That's that's right up right up my alley. I, I, I cite the source every time. I promise. <laughs> oh, good. I guess that's good to know. So, uh, any any challenges that you uh, you feel like you've overcome, uh, you had to overcome, in, in kind of moving this forward? I know you said you had to make that leap of faith. Any other growing pains as you've kind of gone gone out on your own and started your own deal here? Oh, well, I mean, we would need at least another seven hours (laughs) and a few beers to do that one. I think some of the lessons that I've learned is that this great quote, the business comes in waves, you better learn how to surf. And so I think what I learned in, in Cutco that helped me, and this also helped me in my career, my corporate career is I remember they interviewed me for a management training, um, program and they, 
looked at my resume and they said, what's branch manager? How do you explain this? And I said, well, basically you drop in on a parachute in a city and then we just created $200,000, $250,000 of sales from scratch. And he just smiled at me, the interviewer, and said, wow, where do you find more people like that? Nice. And I smiled and I said, well, you're lucky, but I don't know if you could hire my friends. <laughs> and you know, I was already there. And so I think one thing that I learned that I've had to overcome a few times is how to create from scratch. Mm -hmm. So when I started my business, luckily I knew how to create all of it from scratch. I had done it in multiple offices. I went to UC San Diego. I went from Orange County to San Diego County. So I had to build a brand new referral base. So I guess that's overcoming an obstacle, but I think that's really, really relevant for our audience. This ability to build sales out of nowhere, mm -hmm. uh, either as a branch manager, a district manager, as a rep, is something that is so valuable out in what I guess people call the real world Yeah, that I just was able to keep going back to that anytime I ran into adversity. So I think starting was adversity. I think another big one is this concept of called imposter syndrome. I don't know if you've heard of imposter syndrome. Of course, of course yeah. Uh, it was new to me and that was not knowing, like always believing you'd be found out to be a fraud. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, a lot of the things that I have always done have been a little bit intuitive, like I've learned them, but how I actually executed and got results was kind of intuitive. And so I could never explain them. So I think I've always been carrying that like a fraud. I, I Now I attribute that first month in my branch to, oh my gosh, when I branch, people are going to find out I, I was a fraud and then I choke. Mm -hmm. And I saw that in my athletic career as well. And now I know what that is. That imposter syndrome has cost me hundreds and thousands of dollars mm -hmm. over the past three years because I made decisions based on this assumption that I was a fraud that was going to be found out. And that's not a really good place to make decisions. Yeah, no doubt. You know, what's just really interesting about that is that the majority of people out there, uh, or, you know, us from time to time too, as you just mentioned, you know, but a lot of people, they just, they just don't try anything because they're afraid of that. They're afraid mm -hmm. that they don't really have, they're not really worthy so to speak. And I've found, especially in my, as I've aged and worked with more people, that one of the biggest challenges with people is they just have, they have inferiority complexes and social media does not help, right? Social media just it, it makes yeah. it so much worse because everybody thinks that everybody's, all these other lives are amazing. And now I, my life is not uh, so great. That kind of feeds that imposter syndrome, I think. Uh, but uh, just, you just got, you just got to do. What, what advice do you have for somebody that's, that you feel like is feeling that? Yeah. I do an exercise with every single one of my clients, my personal clients when I work with them. And it's, uh, I build them a leadership superpower. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I have a little flash guy right here. So I'll explain this in terms of, of the flash. Okay. All of us have this leadership superpower. So it comes, I don't know if you're familiar with Gallup's work on StrengthsFinder. Okay. Uh, so there's a StrengthsFinder test you take and you have your top five talents. And if you add skill to them, you get a strength. And if you add stress to them, you get a weakness. And it's very much like Flash's super speed. Okay. If it's untrained, you'll run into walls and throw a lightning bolt at his friends. And so you need to train them. And so what I do is everyone has their unique leadership superpower based on their combination. And so we create, like, we make them really aware of what their leadership superpower is so that their expert intuition comes into consciousness. Because most of imposter syndrome 
comes from either right lack of skills or knowledge or it comes from expert intuition you don't know why you did what you did and since Mm. you can't explain it you feel like it was luck Mm. and so a lot of the work i do because i do have leaders i work with in the network marketing space and make over half a million dollars i teach them the five keys to start but then Mm. it evolves is we talk a lot about what did you do to create that success so a lot more reflection looking back Mm -hmm. so if you were to say i have a win okay so i had a ten thousand dollar push is still respectable right yeah yeah Yeah, okay so i did ten thousand dollar push it might feel like luck if you're operating in expert intuition and so what i would ask is well what did you do to create that success and actually do an autopsy on those results so that you know what behaviors to continue to repeat that helps you to avoid the cycle most people only do the debrief after a loss very few do the debrief after a win Mm. if i had debriefed on the win right taken the time to do that i would have realized that my leadership superpower was creating simple paths to increase individual performance Mm -hmm. and i would have leaned into that and i wouldn't have hired so many people to mask what i thought were my insecurities I wouldn't have deferred so many decisions. There was a lot of decisions I made because I was trying to hide. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what I would recommend is to do a really good debrief after you win so that you could start to see what are the things that I do so you can repeat them and you won't Mm -hmm. fall into that trap. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a whole lot of things to, to unpack, uh, we could unpack under that, but I love it. You, in order to build on strengths, you got to know what your strengths are. And that's kind of what you're, get, yeah. you're getting to, you know, finding out the best of what was, what is, and what can be. That's a, that's a whole methodology, uh, that uh, is popular with a lot of vector folks nowadays. I love it. Well, listen, as you look forward in your career and in your life, uh, Tasha, what, uh, how do you aspire to change people's lives. That's what this podcast is all about. So how do you want to change lives with your work and your influence? Yeah. So I actually have a sweatshirt that says as Lily Merge guy, maybe I should have worn that one instead, but it says we sell hope. And one of the things, you know, it all goes back to the first, one of the first stories I told you is I just think learning how to sell is an experience that helps you to be the master of your own destiny. Whether you stay in sales or not, when I quit my job, I could just pick up my sample kit. I wasn't really worried about what would happen to our family financially because I knew how to sell. And there are so many people out there that are, you know, their livelihood depends on their ability, you know, their ability to feed their family, send their kids to college depends on their ability to sell. Mm -hmm. But sales training outside, of course, of, of Cutco, you know, when we used to say, and the training is free. People were like, mm. but like, it's a big deal. Yeah. Most high quality sales training is priced so far out of the realm of what people are able to afford when they're starting that it almost creates a, a total, like a class system. And one of my missions is if, if someone needs high quality sales training, that we're going to figure a way to deliver it in a way that is accessible to as many people as possible. Mm. So right now uh, we're in network marketing. And like I mentioned, you know, we've helped over 8,000 people, but by proxy through our clients, we've impacted easily hundreds and thousands, maybe millions of individuals, by the way, by our free sharing policy, most people will lock down the copyright. I don't think I have the right to lock down that because we all learn from everybody as we've talked Mm -hmm. about today. 
So we are pretty generous with what people can use that we teach. And so I know we've already impacted millions of people through that. So I want to do that. I love working with people one-on-one, the people that can't find leaders that will step into the space with them. Luckily, growing up with very successful 20-year-old guys has given me a very high tolerance and ability to match the energy of very confident people. I think a lot of people, you know, get intimidated by high performers, but because of how I grew up, I it just that's my brother, right? My work brother. Yeah. It's okay. just normal to how you walk and talk and act and how you believe you can do anything. It doesn't intimidate me. So I'm excited about coaching what I would call the uncoachable. The, and not uncoachable in a negative perspective, but the ones that no one else knows how to coach. Hmm. Because I'm very secure in my superpower, which is I can take whatever you're doing and make it better. Right. So I know that's my leadership superpower. So no matter how successful a leader might be, I can look at all their processes with my experience and say, here's the improvements that we can make. So I'm excited about that. And I have started writing my first book. I am not on the title for your book. Oh, you don't know the title? Yeah. I mean, one of my clients threw out to me, she's like, I envision the good human guide to sales. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've learned from you, from Joanne, from Jimmy, from many of my friends is I like lose my mind. Like if you want to get me on a rant, say a salesperson is not ethical. Mm. And I will argue to the death that sales is one of the most noble occupations out there. And my dad is a doctor. And here's why I will say this. I know this is too ranty for this podcast, but my dad is a doctor and yes, he heals people and saves lives, but he waits for them to call. And a salesperson, you know, every night when people go to bed, they're praying for something. And it is the salesperson who sets down their ego, does the outreach right? And makes an offer and solves and answers people's prayers. Hmm. But they're the ones actually setting their ego aside and going into the arena where even noble professions like my dad, who's a doctor who saves lives, he waits for someone to come to him. And so I believe that sales is when done properly is one of the most noble professions. When you operate with a good salesperson, you will feel cared for, loved, listened to, heard, right? Valued. And this is why good sales training needs to be out there for everybody because the people that are untrained are the ones that are ruining the scope of the profession and making it seem like something it's not. And so, you know, I want to expound on, on the five keys I talked about today, concepts like impact over income, joy in sales is important to me to teach. I do want to talk about imposter syndrome. I think that holds people back, things like that. So Started writing a book. Uh, my client wanted to call it The Good Human Guide to Sales. Yeah. Well, I love so much about what it is that you just said. Untrained salespeople are ruining uh, the reputation of the profession. You didn't say bad salespeople. I like how you said untrained. I think that's an important uh, differentiation. Tasha, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I think we'll end with that. Uh, those last uh, few minutes of what you said, I think, have a ton of relevance and will resonate with people uh, for quite some time. We'll make sure that any websites that you have or anything like that gets added to the show notes so people can learn more about you and access you and uh, maybe hire you. I know you coach more than just network marketing. I do. Coach, I think you said you have a financial company that you uh, is a... Is yep. a- uh, I've also helped clients with life coaching practices. and okay. Great. So yeah. maybe, uh, maybe there'll be some connections made through this podcast. We sure hope so. Anyway, thank you so much for your time and uh, take care. Awesome. Thank you, Brad. 
there you have it. Uh, Tasha Saran Smith. And that was so much fun for me. And uh, just to wrap up, let me, I don't even know so many great nuggets there to be able to wrap up, but from the beginning, the, the super slow start when it comes to average order size uh, from the mom, having the, the no sale from, to the mom, to successful entrepreneur, business coach, and more than a million dollars in uh, sales revenue. Uh, that's the story. I love the story of being in college and packing the schedule, uh, taking the 20 units, graduating early, working as an assistant manager in a, in a challenging assistant manager environment because the manager that she worked with was very, very demanding and uh, not in her GPA, not suffering. I love that. Uh, I love her experience field training. I thought that was uh, just a tremendous for those of that don't aren't familiar with the Cutco business. Field training is simply where uh, one rep goes and watches another rep, right? And the impact that she had and how meaningful that was, not just to the person that was field trained, but to Tasha, the the change that was made in in the, the gentleman Chris Chris G starting her branch with such horrific beginning results and uh, pulling it out to be one of the top branches uh, in the area. That was terrific to see as well. I really liked uh, some of the insights that she teaches now. Of course, the simple steps, simplifying the process and the program. But the statement, business comes in waves, so you better learn to surf. Think in many, many businesses, and you, should, you could even say life comes in waves, so you better learn to surf. Uh, really important insight can be gleaned from that. The ability to create from scratch how valuable that is in the marketplace out there uh, and how impressive that is on a resume. So uh, people who have had that experience get a chance to, to have that. And if you're looking, if you're not a Cutco person and you're looking to hire somebody for a position that you need to fill, try to find someone who's run a Cutco branch office uh, at whatever level of success. There's somebody that you, uh, you're going to want to work with. The idea of the leadership superpower, how to find out that leadership superpower, I thought was uh, tremendous. Building on the strengths, debriefing after the win. You know, what is it that went right? And so much, so often we focus on the, what went wrong in life. Whereas if we start focusing on what's right, that's our brain will start, you know, honing in on those steps that created success and we'll start to create more success. That's ancient wisdom. Good sales training is expensive. I thought that was, that was really terrific. We in Cutco, the business, we take for granted that, you know, this training that we have is free. Right, this uh, amazing training that uh, could cost tens of thousands of dollars in other places. A lot of times, uh, sales is noble. I love Tasha's attitude about how salespeople go into the arena. We don't sit back and wait. Tremendous concept there. And then untrained salespeople give the sales profession uh, a bad reputation. And her mission to alleviate that and to uh, train people and coach people to uh, to be doing great things. So there you have it. Tasha Saran Smith, yet another amazing Cutco alumni, uh, adding to the Changing Lives, Selling Knives podcast. I was your guest host, Jay Brad Britton. Thank you for your time, everyone, and have a blessed day. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.